The road to redemption is one that we all must walk. We don't have a choice in the matter. The moment we entered this earth, we started walking on that road. And as we walk the road to our redemption, our first stop is with the Lamb of God. You see, every one of us is in need of redemption. From the very first fall of Adam and Eve. You see, we have suffered at the inherited debt of sin. If you don't believe in the concept of inherited sin, or some doctrines say original sin, how many children have you ever had to teach to misbehave? It's just inborn. I mean, it's just, you know, we are, we are born to rebel and born to, to test the limits. And that's why God has blessed us with godly parents and adults to help, help teach us the word and what God wants for our life. But the thing is, is that we all inherited the desire to seek our life and our will apart from God's will. And if anything will take us off the road to redemption, it would be that. You see, that is why we always will feel at some points as if we will be stronger in the Lord than sometimes when we don't feel as strong. Some days we are walking that road, and other days we're hitting potholes, and other days we feel like we are, we are way off of it. But from the richest to the richest, to the most powerful, to the poorest person there is, all of us, Need redemption. Redemption is the evening factor. It is, it is the, I guess you could say, the thing that everybody has in common is that it doesn't matter how much or how little we have in our bank account or how spiritual we think we are or how depraved we think we are. We all need redemption. How do I know that? That's not my opinion. That's not just something that a preacher would say. It says in Romans 3, 23, that for everyone, everyone means you, And me, for everyone has sinned and fall, not fell, but fall short of God's glorious standards. You see, every one of us in here, whether you are a child, a teenager, a tween, an adult, you're adulting, or you're in the mids, you're boomers, you're busters, you're millennials, you're X, or whatever you are, we all have sinned, and we all have gone through times where we have been tempted with something that the Bible tells us we need to stay away from. We have all been tempted to do something the way that we wanted to do it rather than the way God wanted to do it. And everyone at some point in their life has done something that either they never thought they would do or they never intended to do in the first place. You see, this inherited nature that we have for sin is a debt that we carry with us and that we are unable to pay. I I know what it's like to owe the bank something, whether it be credit cards or for a car you drive or your house you live in. Many of us in here still owe something to somebody. And hopefully that is a debt that we will pay one day. But the debt of sin is nothing. We cannot earn enough money that would ever come close to paying our inherited sin debt. But you know what? God knows that. And because of that, because of that, he offered his son, Jesus Christ, as the Lamb of God, 
to pay that debt. He did not hold anything back, not for his chosen people, the Jews, and not for you and not for me. So our walk down the road to redemption begins with Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. Often in scriptures where you hear Jesus being called the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Son of Man, all of these different titles that he has and that people give to him, A, are either from the Old Testament that have been prophecies that were fulfilled by them calling that, or they also represent a certain aspect of his life. So the first thing I want us to look at is that number one, obviously, Jesus is the Lamb of God. John chapter 1, starting with verse 29. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says that the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, now this is just the second day of Jesus' ministry. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said a man coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I don't know, or I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one whom you see, the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then John says, I saw this happen to Jesus. <clears throat> so I testify that he is a chosen one. The following day, John again was standing with two disciples. As Jesus walked up, John looked at him and said, look, there is the Lamb of God. Some translations say, behold, there is the Lamb of God. Now, for us to fully understand the Lamb of God, I want to kind of give you a little bit of background because, you know, anytime we want to understand Scripture, it helps to understand it within a context. And so I'm going to go back and pull out a few key points from Exodus chapter 12. If you want to follow along, you want to make notes, that's fine. Or if you just want to listen, that's fine too. But within Exodus chapter 12, we see where the Lamb of God first started. This is called the Passover lamb, the, the festival of the Passover lamb. And some of you may be familiar with the story. Some of you may be new to it, but, but that's okay. I'm just going to give you some highlights. This is the cliff notes. But in, Revel, in, excuse me, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 3 talks about this. He says that all sacrifices in the Old Testament would be a precursor or get us ready for what Jesus was going to do. Verse 3, it says, To announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. So each household had to get a lamb that would be sacrificed. Now, before we just say, man, that sounds pretty, pretty horrible, especially when you saw that cute little picture of that lamb on the on the first slide. We'll talk more about that in a second, but the thing is, is that I want you to understand that the, the Israelites are, are still Hebrew slaves. They are in Egypt, and God has used Moses time and time again to try to get them freed by Pharaoh, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened. So this is the big push, that after this, they are going to be on the run in the wilderness. 
And so he says, get this lamb. And then it says in verse 5, the animal you select must be one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Because a lamb is a sheep that is less than a year old. <coughs> it says in verse 6, take special care of this chosen animal. Now, I know you're like, oh, my goodness, all this Old Testament stuff. But think about this. Take special care of this chosen animal. This animal I want you to bring into your house. This was the family pet. The children got attached to this little lamb. The family got attached to this little lamb. This little lamb was the best of the flock. It was the pick of the litter. There was no blemishes. And they were to bring it and to take care of it. Maybe even name it. I don't know. But this was supposed to be a special lamb to the family. And it says, take special care of this until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the house where they eat the animal. So not only did they have to take this animal that was close to the family, they had to kill it and take the blood and they had to put it over the door jams of their front door. Sounds pretty intense, doesn't it? Sounds kind of serious. Well, it was. It says in verse 11, there are, there, these are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. That's where we get the term Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Verse 13 says, But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. I want you to see God was preparing his people for their exile, for their rescue. This move would strike fear into the Egyptians and cause the threat of them to be so real that they had to move. He was telling them, look, get your stuff ready because we are about to go. The Egyptians, you see, they worshipped many gods. But the one true God showed all who would believe and obey that he takes sin seriously. Why a lamb? Why a a good, cute little lamb? You see, God required animal sacrifices to provide a temporary for the sins of his people. This is all in preparation for what Jesus Christ would do. And we'll learn more about that next week as we talk about the blood. But look at the prophet Isaiah. The book of Isaiah was written around 739 B.C., before Christ was even born. And if you look at Isaiah 53.7, and I'll show it to you on the screen, it says that he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. 
This was written hundreds of years ago before Jesus would do exactly this. If you read Isaiah 53, it will read point by point exactly what Jesus went through. All of this led up to the fact that Jesus was the first to be identified as the Lamb of God. So when you understand the background of the Passover, that people had to take God at his word and they had to actually worship and sacrifice and do things that sound kind of crazy. But in the end, God wanted them to do it. God commanded them to do it and it saved their lives. When you understand the background of the Passover lamb, you can see how significant this claim was to the Jew Jewish community. When John says, behold, the lamb of God. For those of us that are good old Southern Baptists that don't have any Jewish heritage, we're like, oh, amen, let's sing about it and sing a praise. But to the Jewish community, John was equating Jesus as this Passover lamb. It was a big deal. So God gave his son willingly to pay your sin debt and mine. But it even gets better. It says, if you go back and look at verse 29 in John chapter 1, it says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of what? Anybody there? The world. That means not only did Jesus come to save the Jewish community, not only to save God's chosen race, but to save the world. Ergo, you and I. When it says the world, that's you. Amen? To save you. You don't have to get a pet and sacrifice it and paint it on the doors. Paint the blood on the doors. You don't have to go to these things because Jesus has done that for you and done that for me. The second thing we see is that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Jesus is the Passover lamb. You see, the Passover story is a beautiful picture of Christ's atoning work on the cross. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, point blank, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Isn't it amazing to think, folks, that the rules God made for his chosen people all the way back in Exodus still hold true and he has bound himself to his own rules. His character does not change. God loves you. God sent His Son for you. God is not out to get you. God has saved you and given you a road to redemption if you so choose to walk it. No one, no thing, no principality, no thought, no movement can suffice as a sacrifice to pay for your sin and mine. Only Christ, the Lamb of God, can do that. So we see that, number one, Jesus was sacrificed for us. And we see, as we go back and we look at Exodus 12, is that Jesus' sacrifice makes us right with God. Makes us right with God. Because of this, my friend, not only can you have a fresh start Today, if you are not a believer and you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you can have a fresh start today because Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, was sacrificed 
for your sin. All that you've done, all that you will commit, and everywhere where you have had a good life and even where you have messed things up. And you might say, God cannot love me because I did this. All of that is covered by the Lamb of God. So if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior Lord, your road to redemption begins today with the Lamb of God. But I know as I preach to this church, there are a overwhelming number of you that at some point have had some type of religious experience to where you consider yourself a Christian and you have asked Jesus Christ into your your heart and Lord as your Savior and Lord, and He has forgiven you of your sins. And then as the church Christians say, we've been saved, saved, saved. But you know what? There is still sin. And you may have messed up. So whether you need a fresh start or just a new start, the road to redemption is what we all must walk to get that. You see, there is a tendency on our part to downplay the seriousness of sin. I want to show that to you on the screen as well. There is a tendency on our part to downplay the seriousness of sin. After all, it seems to go along with being human. But sin infects all that we are so that if not dealt with, it condemns us to spiritual death now and forever. That was from A.W. Tozer devotional that I was, I was reading. Let me put it to you in just plain talk. If you don't deal with your sin, believer... If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you do not deal with your sin, it will slowly choke the Spirit in your life. And just as Jesus talked about the parable of the weeds and the the things coming along and choking out faith, you don't feel as close as you do to the Lord. You don't understand why, why He doesn't speak to you as much as He used to. You don't understand, you don't know why you've lost that loving feeling, so to speak, with God. I'm just simply going to ask you, do you have unconfessed, unrepented sin in your life? Because if you do, there will be a void in that relationship. I'm not saying you've lost your salvation, but I'm saying there's an issue. That's just like, I know none of you in here have ever had a problem with somebody else. That's for the other people. But you know what? You know and I know that sometimes in any relationship, even your closest relationships, sometimes there's just a little thing. And you think about that thing and it just makes you mad. And for a moment, or maybe for a long time, I don't know, but there's just something that when you think about that relationship, when you see that person, it's just there and and your neck just tenses up when you see it. Folks, if there is sin in our lives that is unconfessed, unrepented, and we try to bandage our sin, there is, it's like turning the faucet off to the spirit in your life. In fact, the t- <laughs> these, there, was only, there was the one major sacrifice of the Passover lamb, but there were also daily sacrifices in the temple. Daily sacrifices, like all the others, were simply to point people towards God. And you say, well, why in the world did they have to sacrifice a lamb? Well, I got news for you. They didn't have Benjamins back then. They didn't have $100 bills. They didn't have checks. They didn't have swipe cards, they didn't have Apple Pay, they didn't have all of these things, they didn't have resources. Their their resources were their livestock. Their resources was their food. Some of them had trade, but to take this lamb 
and to sacrifice it was a way that you were sacrificing something that was very dear to you. And isn't it crazy that on those daily sacrifices, at the time of day, they would bring that daily sacrifice for the people to the temple was the same exact time that Jesus' death on the cross was happening in the evening. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The third thing that we see is that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice that we need. You ever had those things sometimes where somebody will say, you're up late and you see these advertisements on TV and they'll say, hey, this is the new Ronco, whatever it is. You can chop a two by four, slice a tomato, and hook a fish with it. I don't know, whatever you want to do. All for three easy payments of $9.99. And you think, whoa, I didn't know I need that. But I need it. If you've ever gone into some stores like Outlets, and I think there was one even in Anderson Mall at one time. I don't know if it's still there, but it was the As Seen on TV store. Have you seen that? How much junk can you put in one room? And those things are targeted to people that didn't know they need it, but they need it now, so they're going to order it. That's why when you're shopping with kids and you have to go to the checkout line, you just pray, dear God, get me through the cash register aisle because there are so many things that that kid is going to want on that aisle. they got all of those what they call impulse items. I don't need a big box of bubble gum for my car, but hey, it's there. I might as well get it. And uh, I know y'all don't read those magazines that are up on there too, right? I mean, how many stories do we need to hear about the royal family, right? But we're, we we don't know we need it, so we get it. But my friend, I'm telling you what. Jesus, as the ultimate sacrifice, don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. You need it. I need it. Hebrews 9, 28 says this. It says, so also Christ was offered. And this is huge. So Christ was offered. If you brought your Bible, go ahead and open to that. Because I want you to see it with your own two eyes. Hebrews 9, 28. It's in the New Testament. It's about three-fourths of the way, maybe a little bit, 80% through the New Testament. Hebrews 9, 28. If you don't know what page it's on, look at the front of your Bible. Most of them have to tell you what page each book is on. I want you to read it with your own eyes. So also Christ was offered what? Once and for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. Then it keeps, it keeps going. It gets better. Not only does he take away The sin, once and for all, he will come again. Not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly awaiting for him. Mm. All of those many 
sacrifices that were made in the temples. The sacrifice of those precious, sweet little lambs were made to prepare the way for Jesus. For people to understand why he was here. And as I said a moment ago, when, when you think about how barbaric this sounds, I mean, this sounds like an episode of some type of TV show where they're all medieval and doing crazy things. It's horrible to take a beautiful little lamb and have to do that with it. Some of you here agree with me and some people think, well, no, I think lambs are kind of tasty, actually. But what I want you to see is this. As horrific as that sounds, why does it have to be like that? Because that is how horrible the sin you and I carry is to God. It demands those lengths of remedy and forgiveness because that's how horrible it is. I mean, think about it. God created Adam and Eve. They walked in the garden together. They talked. They hung out. They had a great relationship. And then this sin stepped in between them. What we see here is the sacrifice of the lambs in the temples where God preparing us for Jesus. Think about it. The temple was built with human hands. But he was preparing us to dwell in heaven where it will be built with God's hands. And in the temple, the sacrifices were made by human hands. This was preparing us to accept the ultimate sacrifice that could only be given by God's hands through His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus was not sacrificed for us to deal with our sins, but to be saved from them. Your sin management system needs to stop today. Don't try to manage your sin. It will manage you. It will play you like a cheap drum and throw you away when it's done with you. Sin is not managed because sin leads to death. It leads to physical death. It leads to death to the closeness you feel with God, to the Holy Spirit. It leads to the death of a relationship that you are not God. When you are not in a God-honoring relationship, it will introduce sin into your life, and it will come between you and God. The death of all things that you will spend your life accumulating. Some of you have got garages and land and bank accounts and all of these things, and hey, that's fine. Build it up. Stack it up. Are you going to take it with you? No. No. I'll conclude with this. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, but it's a limited time offer. We talked about the cute little lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God. He is a sacrifice. But my friend... Don't be lulled to sleep by this message. Because in Revelation chapter 6, verses 15 through 17, 
It says this, Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free persons, all those on the left, all those on the right, all those on the alt-left, all those on the alt-right, all of the independents, it doesn't matter what you ascribe to when it comes to politics, but all of them, all of these people, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried out to the mountains and the rocks. <clears throat> they were crying to the mountains and the rocks, Please fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the what? Lamb. From the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive that? A day will come, my friend, when it will be too late to repent. In this passage, we see those who were unwilling to repent of their sins and accept the sacrifice of Jesus as the Lamb of God. I see it sometimes in church. It'll be during the, the invitation, and people will have the white-knuckled grab on the pew in front of them. They're afraid of what somebody might think if they walk forward. They're afraid of what they might have to give up if they give their life to Christ. The Christians are afraid of what they might have to change if they really give whatever that is to God. These folks in this passage, their hearts were so hard, they would rather to the they would rather run to the mountains so they would fall on them than have to face God. And accept his mercy. When you think about the lamb, you don't usually think of wrath, do you? You see, a lamb is the most defenseless creature God has ever created. It can't run fast. It can't hear well. It can't see well. And it can't bite. It can't fight. It has no weapons. It's not like an eagle that can fly. It's not like a bear that has claws. It's not like a tiger that has teeth. It is defenseless. You see, and yet he talks about the wrath of the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is the perfect and ultimate sacrifice for your sin. Jesus as the Lamb of God is the perfect an ultimate sacrifice for your sin. My friend, Jesus is a lamb. He died to remove your sin debt and to make you a right standing place beside God the Father. As I said when I began this message, the road to redemption is one that we all must walk. And as we walk the road to our redemption, the first stop is with Jesus the Lamb of God. So my friends, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this message this morning. Thank you for your scriptures. But most of all, Lord, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God. And Lord, if the Holy Spirit has touched anyone here this morning, the Lord, they have been convicted of sin or they need to make some type of commitment to you. Yes, they can do that right there where they're at. 
But if they don't share that with anybody, usually it's like a New Year's resolution. It'll last for a little while, but then fade away. God, if there's somebody here today that means business and they want to know you as their Savior and Lord and start this road to redemption, may they accept you as the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb that was sacrificed for their sin. Maybe there's a believer that just needs prayer or rededication. Maybe there's someone that needs to be baptized or just wants to come to the altar and pray. Whatever the need may be, as we have this time of invitation, may they come forward. If they don't want to come by themselves, grab somebody. They'll come with you. There is no shame in accepting your mercy here. Because, Lord, one day it will not be extended. And I would hate to know that someone missed the opportunity in this moment. God, would you work? For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?